Gary and Nancy for the opportunity to speak. It is always such a privilege to get to address such a lovely crowd as we have here tonight. Welcome live streamers. We love you too. Hope you're having a great time this evening. Uh, it's so cool to be able to stand here and not only speak to you, but uh, to be broadcast really around the world to anybody who wants to tune in. So uh, if you are watching live stream, uh, settle down, try to cut back on the distractions and focus. I know sometimes it's hard when you're at home, but... Uh, but try to try to focus because we've got a word for you tonight that's going to bless you, and uh, we're just excited to to be here. Um, I was praying, seeking the Lord, what to talk about tonight, and healing kept coming up, and I thought, well, that's pretty fitting considering you know the state the world's in right now. <laughs> so we're going to be talk talking about healing tonight, and um, it's something that affects all of our lives. Um, sickness is rampant throughout the world. There's countless diseases and plagues and, you know, even the, the whole COVID situation, totally unprecedented in all history. So we're dealing with something that's really, at this scale, never happened before. And we need to be sharp as Christians. We need to know, we need to know who we are. We need to know what the Word of God says as, as it pertains to healing and physical strength and health. And uh, we shouldn't be ignorant of that because not only do we need it for ourselves, we're going to need it for other people. You know, we need to be on our A-game all the time, as we see the end approaching even more so. And we need to be ready, instant, in-season, out-of-season, to deliver a word of knowledge, to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. And, um, and so that's, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And I wanted to start off in John 10.10. 10. <laughs> Woohoo! So everyone in this room, I'm sure, knows what John 10.10 10 says, but uh, for you live streamers... I'm getting some good feedback here, too. Ooh. There we go. There's a second me talking right behind me. I can, I can just sense it. <laughs> so John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So again, nobody in this room, but in other circles, sometimes people think that God puts sickness on them, and that's just not the case. That's not the loving Father that we serve. If you're watching live stream and you think that, it's false. You can put that behind you. If you got your Bibles, I hope you turn to John 10.10, 10, you see that it's not God that's here to steal, kill, and to destroy. So what you see going on in the world, this is not God's judgment. This is not coming from heaven. This is coming from the pit of hell, and it's trying to destroy as many lives as it possibly can. It's trying to put fear into people, and we're not going to allow it to do that. We're going to do our, our part to spread faith and to spread love and joy to those around us. And then it says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And that's the life that we've been called to live. As ambassadors of heaven, we have been called to live a life of abundance in every respect, not just in health, but in finances and in joy. You can have an abundance of joy. You can have an abundance of peace. You can have an abundance of strength, of health, of prosperity. You can have an abundance of friends, of mentors, of in every, in every regard, abundance, when it comes to something that's good that's abounding in your life, we want it. And it's God's intention for us to have it. So, as Christians, one of our main purposes of being here is to bring things which are outside of the will of God into the will of God. So, that can be any number of things. Anytime that we see a situation that's not the way we know it should be. 
we need to be led by the Spirit and act accordingly to bring it into the will of God, to change that for the glory of God. Because when we're, you know, when we're believing for a healing or when we're laying hands on somebody else to see them healed, not only are we doing that for that individual alone, but a miracle is a dinner bell to the lost, and it builds the faith of everybody who sees one happen. So you might just be praying for one person, thinking that you're just believing for healing for this one person, but when that healing manifests, that's a ripple effect that's going to carry around, especially if it's an undeniable miracle. If it's undisputable, if it's documented, people can't dispute it, that has a huge ripple effect. And in this day and age, in the internet age, that can spread like wildfire all around the globe and can affect, I mean, millions of lives. One miracle in one place can go viral and affect the destinies of millions of people around the globe. So that's how serious, and we're praying for one person. Sometimes we don't, we fail to see how big God can make something small become. Those seemingly insignificant things, when they're done the God way, have huge implications. So, John, 3 John 2 and 1 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And we know, again, it just establishes once again, and there's countless scriptures on this, you know, it is God's will. It is God's will. It is God's will that we be strong, that we be healthy. And so if it's his will and he's not holding back, we can never point the finger at him, ever. It's never his fault for sickness that comes in our bodies, for lack in our lives, anything like that that shows up in our life, as we saw in John 10.10, it's not God. So please, whatever you do, do not get angry at God. Do not try to point the finger at the one who can save you and pull you out of a situation. He's the last person you want to be blaming for something that's gone wrong in your life. It's not going to get you anywhere. So another thing, too, is when, when you're going through things, sometimes if things have been in your life for a long time, um, you can get comfortable. And sometimes you don't even really realize that you are. And you can get lulled into a new normal. <laughs> I had to throw it in there. <laughs> so don't, don't allow that to happen. And, and you have to be conscious of those things that in, in your life that aren't where they should be. So you need to take a moment sometimes and identify subpar areas in your life. And say, wait a minute, okay, this, this isn't right. There's something here that I'm, that I'm not doing. And again, it's never God. You always have to look at the mirror and say, okay, not con you know, don't condemn yourself. It's never like that. But just look in the mirror, in the mirror, and find out why it's been there, how it got there, and why it's been there for so long. You know, what have you been, what have you 
accepted in your life that you shouldn't have, that has allowed those situations to remain for as long as they've remained in your life? And he'll give you the answers. They're in here, either in the written word or in the rhema word. They're there, and he'll tell you. And you're going to make those small little corrections in order to see those I'm going to call them plagues, but things that have been there for way too long that ought not to have been there. And uh, so I've been working on that with myself. Um, you know, things that have come into my life that have been there for a long time, and you get comfortable with them, and you kind of almost don't even think about it anymore. It's just, like I said, a, a new normal in your life that you just kind of accept and you carry on. And, and that's dangerous. It really is dangerous because not only are you robbing, allowing, actually... You're allowing Satan to rob you of certain things in your life, of time, which is a huge one that he loves to steal, is your time. And you're allowing him to steal it if you're allowing these little things in your life, like sickness, for example, is a perfect example. Sickness slows you down. It drains you physically. There are things that you would normally do when you're healthy that you cannot do when you're sick. So right there, not, o- not only is he stealing your time, he's stealing experiences. He's stealing miracles that you might otherwise be out doing, healing somebody else, blessing somebody else. You can't do that because now you're stuck at home, sick, or not physically capable of going and doing those things that you should otherwise be doing. And you can't let... I know it sounds kind of funny coming from a 33-year-old, but you can't let age slow you down either. <laughs> I've still got a long ways to go, so look. but you can't let age slow you down either. So, like in Deuteronomy 34.7, it says, Although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eyesight was not dim, nor his natural strength abated. It's hard to argue with that. You don't see it very often, but you can't argue with it. It's right there. Moses, in the Old Testament, after spending 40 years roaming around in the the wilderness watching sheep and then going back at the age of 80 to lead millions of people out of captivity in Egypt, you know, he was, you know, his body had gone through a lot. I mean, look at Moses' life. I mean, yeah, he grew up in the palace. He had a pretty cushy, you know, at the onset, but... After a while, man, he, he put his body through some stuff. He did a lot of walking, a lot of physical stuff in his life. And here he is at 120. Eyesight's great. Natural force is not abated. You see, you can honor God in your life, but you can also honor him in your death. You know, you don't have to wait for sickness to take you. That's not how Christians are supposed to go. Disease isn't supposed to take us out. Accidents aren't supposed to take us out. We're supposed to finish and then check out. Say, all right, Lord, if I'm done, then I'm done. If I've done what I've been called to do and I've run my race, I've finished my course, and God just says, come on up. You just check out. Healthy, nothing wrong with your body. It's just your spirit just whoop, away you go. Make room for the next generation. That's the kind of death that honors God. That's what's supposed to happen. 
So again, like I stated, sickness becomes a constant oppressive force in your life. Whether you consciously are thinking of it all the time, it's there and it's slowing you down one way or another. And it doesn't even have to be you personally. It can be somebody else in your household. It can be a friend that you normally would have done things with and now they can't. And so now you can't and you're both now being robbed of these wonderful life experiences that God had preordained for you to, to live out. So like, like in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 30, it says, learn of me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if your life doesn't reflect that, then again, you need some self-reflection as to why. Why is this happening? Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 28, this is in the Amplified. It says, And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. So if you love God, you don't have to worry if things don't look quite right right at the moment. Because they're going to work out as long as you don't, what, give up. Don't surrender, don't stand down, stand up and push forward. And if you do that, you can't be beaten. <clears throat> to those who are called according to his purpose and plan, for them whom he foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that he would be the firstborn among many, many believers. And those whom he predestinated, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And then in brackets, it says, raising them to a heavenly dignity. And our lives should look just like that, a heavenly dignity. You know, we have to look attractive. Our lives should be attractive because if our lives are not attractive, then we're not do fulfilling the most basic calling of God in our lives, and that is to bring the lost in because the, bring, the lost aren't going to come in if you don't look attractive. I'm not talking to physical appearance, although, you know, that can help sometimes. But, <laughs> but I'm talking about, in general, being a successful, joyful attractive person to be around. Some people just have that magnetic personality. You want to be around them. You desire to be around them because they just, they're so inspiring. And I hope that everybody has something like that in their life that just inspires them, that drives them to be better, to push them further. You need to find somebody who is where you want to be and start hanging out with them. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, who do you want to hang out with? Other entrepreneurs, why? Other successful entrepreneurs, why? Because you can glean from them. Because they're constantly, their brains are constantly thinking, how can I do this better? How, oh, I, I, I see a need over here. How can I fulfill that need? How can I grow this? How can I do this? So those kind of people are attractive. Not only Christian people like that, but even secular people who are like that are attractive personalities to be around, and people are drawn to them. 
So you'll see this kind of personality a lot in obviously entrepreneurs, CEOs, people who lead companies. A lot of them are very driven, hardworking individuals that people will pay sometimes huge amounts of money just to sit in a room with them and hear them speak, let alone getting a chance to actually get to know them one-on-one and be actually mentored under them. And so that's what we need to be like to the world. When an unsaved person sees us, they have to see the spark in our eye and say, wait a minute, there's something there. There's something there that is valuable. If they can see value in you, they'll be drawn to you and they will be open to hearing what you have to say. And you'll be able to say exactly what God tells you to say. And you'll be able to bring somebody new into the kingdom of God and save somebody from an eternal damnation in hell. I know it's a dirty word, some people don't say this time, you know, don't like to say that very often, but there's only two ways you're going to go up or down when you leave here. And there's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. The world will try to tell you there's a thousand ways to heaven, and there's not. There's one. One way. Thank you, Lord, that we know what that way is. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. And then in uh, and then 37, Romans 8, 37. Sorry, I skipped a little bit here. Go back to Romans uh, 8.31. So then shall we, so then shall we say to, so what then, sorry, shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be successfully against us? And I like how it adds that successfully against us in there because people will try to come against you. Sure, God never promised you a cakewalk, but it says they won't be successful. He who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things, including health, who will bring any charge to God's elect? It is God who justifies us, declaring us blameless and putting us in right relationship with him. That's powerful. We are blameless. And it's not because of anything that we did. It's because we've accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ and been washed in his blood. And, and it's so liberated to know that we are blameless, that the things that we've done in the past are no longer holding us back. We're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. And uh, in 34, it says, who is the one who condemns us? Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay our penalty. And what more than that, who was raised from the dead and who is now seated at the right hand of God, interceding with the Father for us. I know you've all heard it before, but it's powerful every time you hear it. To know that Jesus himself, the Son of God, the King of kings, the righteous one, is interceding for each and every one of you right now. Right now. You talk about intercessory prayer. Who better to have interceding for you than Jesus himself in heaven right now with the Father, bringing you before the Father? So powerful, so powerful. When you realize that you're not scared of anything. What? I mean, like, it doesn't matter what comes your way. You've got Jesus interceding for you on your behalf. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. 
Verse 37, yet in these things, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. And again, there's no greater love than than to give up your life for somebody else. There's nothing more that he could have done to show you that he loves you than to do what he did. And because he did what he did, we have the overwhelming victory. There's no power on earth that can stand against us. You can't even point the finger at Satan anymore because he's totally defeated. He's totally defeated. You can't point at him and blame him for all the stuff going on in your life because you have the authority over him. And things temporarily can come, but you have the authority to make them not permanent. Like we said, you want to walk through the valley. Don't set up your camp there, right? So in Mark 16, verse 17, it says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. So we don't have to be afraid of them. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick. And they might recover, possibly, maybe. No, they will. They will. There's really not a stronger word in the English language to use in that situation than will. It just will. It doesn't leave anything else. There's no other space for error in there. Will is will. It will happen. So, but there's some things that we need to do. And in Proverbs 18.21, spells out one of them. It says that life and death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. So again, we're a word church. We know the power of words. And you are in the driver's seat of your life. Nobody else. You are. So that's why, again, it's not, a, it's not a condemning thing, but you always have to ask yourself, if something's staying too long, why? Just look. Make it. Don't condemn yourself. Just say, Lord, why? What do I need to speak? What do I need to change to have the circumstance turn around? In Luke 12, again, the Amplified, it says, And which of you, by worrying, can add one hour to his life? And there is no shortage of worrying right now in the world. I can't listen to the radio anymore. It just, I, I want to pull the wires out of the dash. It's like, <laughs> there is so much worry and there's so much fear out there. Ashton was, uh, had her first day in classes today. And well, the, the kids aren't there yet, but the, the teachers are getting ready to start the schools up and they have a big day long seminar about how they're going to do things and get ready. And, uh, and just the questions that were asked there today, it's just, shake your head, wake up, wake up. We got a job to do, church. We got a lot of people to wake up. So if you are not even able, so I'll back up to 25 again. And which of you by worrying can add one hour to his lifespan? So if you are not even able to do a very little thing such as that, why are you worried about the rest? So as for you, do not seek 
what you will eat and what you will drink, nor be anxious, nor have an anxious and unsettled mind. But strive for and actively seek his kingdom, and these things will be given unto you as well. Do not be afraid and anxious, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And you could preach a whole message just on the kingdom of God, but that's that's where we dwell as Christians. You know, we, we are simply ambassadors here. We don't have, this is not our dwelling place. Our dwelling place is in heaven. Our spirits have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and we operate in that kingdom. And the kingdom has a totally separate set of rules and regulations than what the world tries to promote and tries to live under. So again, that's why we can be so confident as ambassadors here in this earth, because even though we minister here, we do not dwell here. We have a whole kingdom full of power, anointed, prosperous, and that's where we live, and that's where we get our supply from. Not just our financial supply, but our joy, our peace, the power that operates through us so that when we lay hands on people, they do recover. All of that flows from the kingdom of God. Mark eleven twenty three, and Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. And there's a reason why Kenneth Hagin preached on that his whole career. There's unlimited power in those verses. If you live that verse, nothing will stop you. You will live a successful life. There will be nothing that can come and attach itself to your life that is not of God because it will be broken off by the power of your confession. One more verse, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Not improbable, it is impossible. It is how we live our life, by faith. And again, it's one of those areas where it's easy to get comfortable. But we should always have a faith project. We should always have something that is beyond our natural ability that we are striving for, that we want to see happen, that God has called us to. Because God will always call you to something that is larger than yourself, that is something bigger than what you can do, because it's the only way that he can get you to operate in faith. It's the only way you can do it, because if you can do it on your own, it's not faith. So he's constantly pushing us, and that's a good thing. That's what parents are for. We better push our kids, not to the breaking point, but we are to push them to be better, to do better, to raise the bar, to be the example. Their peers should look up to them. Their teachers should praise them. Not just their Sunday school teachers, but their teachers in school too. Parent-teachers should be a blissful moment when you simply sit down in front of the teacher and they go, wow, what are you doing? And then you can tell them. And again, there's an open door because you're attractive there's something in your life, your kids, that are showing forth the glory of God and they're sparking an interest in somebody. See, every bit of success that you enjoy is an opportunity to minister to somebody else. Just to finish off Hebrews eleven six, For he that comes to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And as Christians, again, that's what we want to do. We have a father who we want to know as much about as we possibly can. We have a book, the word of God, that we need to know as much of it as we possibly can, especially in this day and age. You know, there's a reason why God's called you guys to be alive right now. You know, you're the A-team. You know, he's pouring out his spirit in greater measure. <laughs> it's true, though. You know, it's an honor to be alive in this day and age. And, uh, and you don't want to waste that honor because you can throw it out just as easy as you can pick it up. So don't toss it out. Dig in. Run the race like you've never ran it before. Don't ever give up. Don't ever get, don't allow, allow discouragement to stay. Again, it might come temporarily. You know, even Jesus wept momentarily, but he didn't stay there. You get back up, and you push further, and you push higher, and you push harder. So on that note, I'm going to get my lovely partner in life to come pick it up. I was going to make the joke at the beginning that Justin and I are starting a 12-part series, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> Just a little joke, but holy smokes. Um you know, because Justin and I, even though he works from home and I've been home and stuff like that, we don't necessarily always get time together. So when Pastor Gary asked us um, to preach today, it was funny because I was like, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and we'll see how it comes together. And God always brings it together, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, here's hoping. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I want you to just take a second and um, just... Put your hand on your, on, your, on your chest for a second. Because this is, this is God-given. Right here, every breath that you have, every heartbeat that you feel, that's God's purpose in you. God has a plan and he has a purpose for you. Justin talked a lot about, you know, as a body of Christ, that's, you know, all the things that we have and all the things that, you know, are promised to us. But... God has a plan specifically for your life, you know? And what's amazing to that is, okay, so when Justin and I got married, it was quite an adjustment. I was a night person. He was a morning person. Um, that changed rather quickly. Um, I like to sleep with a fan on. He liked perfect silence. There was an adjustment period, okay? And... Um, but even though we were individual in our desires, we, were, we came together and we found common ground, okay? And what's amazing about the body of Christ is I can look around at every single one of you, and I can say, I can see talents, I can see different giftings, I can see all these different things, right? And what's amazing to me is God doesn't really esteem one higher than the other, right? So let's turn to Romans 12 for a second. Wait a second. I'm not, I'm protecting my Bible from the fan. Protecting from the fan. Use the ribbon. <laughs> and uh, even though I love it, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read, I have my Bible in front of me, but I'm going to read from my phone because it's the Passion Translation. So Romans 12, um, starting at verse 4, it says, In the human body there are many parts and organs, 
each with unique functions. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've been mingled into one body of Christ. This means that we are all vitally, everyone say vitally, vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. God's marvelous grace, grace, everyone say grace, imparts to each one of us a a varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often and encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without fan, any fanfare. If you have the, the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. So here we see many different giftings, many different callings. And what's awesome is that we all work them out. We all walk those plans, those purposes, that, and those giftings that God has given us. We all walk them out harmoniously with one another. Not stepping, now hear me out, not stepping into the places where we're not supposed to be. I am that kind of person, and I've come to know I like to have my hands on it. Just I, My fingers on it, I like to just... And I've learned to take my hands off because God told me it's not yours anyway. It's mine. You're just working it out. <laughs> it's, not, it's not mine. So I'm like, okay, God, you'll work it out. You'll work it out. And I mean, and that's a promise. We know that all things are working together for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on. That's our promise, right? So, but also I want to highlight that grace, okay? We're all practicing our giftings. We're all practicing our ministries. We're all in practice, right? This is where we come. This is a safe place for us all to come and practice and hone our giftings. And things like, when I started leading worship 20 years ago, I didn't lead worship like I do today. Because I was like only like 12 or something like that. So, but still, Jesus. Anyway, um, we didn't, you know, I didn't, but I've grown into that. I've grown into that. And guess what? God has given us one thing that I loved about Jen Tringale when she came, I think I said that right, was that she said, you know, we all don't, even our prayer language is different. I was just like, oh yeah, we all speak in tongues, but it's all a little different. And like, when we say, we say, um, when it's like, when we're like, okay, my passion is like, all right, pray in tongues. I, I've learned that I don't pray in tongues. I sing in tongues. That's my gifting. This is what I do. This is how I pray in tongues. Is it wrong that I don't pray the same way as Pastor Nancy? No, because this is how I pray, and that's how she prays. I'm exuberant in my praise and worship, and other people aren't. Listen. Yeah, I get a little crazy up here. It's okay. I'm just with Jesus. Come and join me, okay? Come and join me, right? And, um, but... And that's, and that's okay, because I've learned this. I have the personality, and you'll t- and Pastor Gary has said this too, worship people are an emotional people. 
And at first I was like, no, we are not. And I was just like, okay, wait, maybe we are. But I was meditating about this kind of thing. And then I thought about David. Obviously, David comes up. He's the biggest worshiper in, like, in the Bible. So I think about, and then I think about some of the Psalms. I wept. I lament. I tore my clothes. And then he got naked and danced before the Lord when the, when the Ark of the Covenant came in, you know. And I don't do that. Um, um, that's not me. Um, but he did it. You know, he was an emotional guy. Okay, one of the reasons is, and I told Joey this, is like one of the reasons why we're such an emotional people is because that's how we can bring you into that place. That's what we have to do. We wear our emotions on our sleeves. Yes, we can control them. Yes, we can bring it, rein it in, which my husband sometimes told me to rein it in. Um, But that's what makes us great. That's what makes us great because we can feel those things. We can connect to songs, the poetry in a song and stuff like that. You talk about, you talk to um, any musician, they'll be like, ooh, this song touches me. There's something that grabs your heart and it's just like, oh, there we go. If you're a praise and worship person, I commend you right now and I'll, I'll let you know one thing that I have learned is I will never, I don't sing songs that I don't have a connection to because it'll fall flat every time. And what's amazing is, is when I sing the goodness of God, like I did tonight, it has a different anointing and it has a different meaning than when Ariel sings it. Why is that? Because my revelation of the goodness of God is different than her revelation of the goodness of God. Let that sink in for a second. When I'm reading the Bible, one verse will have a different meaning, a different revelation to me than it does to you because we haven't walked the same paths. And the revelation isn't higher or lower than the other. It's just different. But this is why we need each other. We need each other to round each other out. I love the fact that my husband has an analytical mind. Sometimes, not always. But I love that he has an analytical mind. (laughs) Because, like, honestly, like, he handles the finances. He tells me, you can spend this much. I'm like, awesome. Great. Other people, it's the women who handle the finances in the marriage. It goes back and forth. Is it one better than the other? No, it's just that person has that gifting, that mindset to do that. I remember one time when we were elders, let me tell this story really quick. So we had a young man come to our house and uh, he was just in tears. And um, this is where my gifting came out. I was, I was compassionate. I felt for this kid. He just like poured his heart out to a girl and she kind of just let it fall flat and um, so he was kind of crying. Not funny. Um, he was crying. And Justin was just sitting there like. And I could see the look on his face. The look on his face was saying, just get over it, buddy. It's okay. Everything's going to be all right. She's not the only girl in the world. Just get over it. And I'm like, buddy, you know, that kind of sucks. You know, like she's out there. You'll get there. And he did. Thank God. But still, that was not his gifting. That was not his mindset. So, but I mean, <laughs> I, still, I still look at it back and I'm just like, oh my goodness, Justin. And he, I think he did. I think you told him to get over it. I think you did. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked. Whoop! I was like, don't you say that. So anyway, different giftings, different mindsets. And uh, we'll go to, um, so funny. Um, 
Lurk's laughing. He thinks it's hilarious. Um, Okay, so we'll go to Ephesians 2, 19. And this is again in the passion, because I'm a passionate person. Um, It's okay, guys. It's all right. It makes us great. But it's true. I mean, think about it. God has made you the way you are. He doesn't need another Pastor Paul. He needs a John. He doesn't need another Shelly. He needs a Jim or a Linda. Why? Because, like Justin said, you run in different circles, you attract different people, and that's how, that's how we're created. Isn't it amazing that God made you uniquely you? Uniquely you. You have a unique purpose. When Justin was talking about purpose, all I could think of is find your purpose and live it out to the best of your ability. And guess what? Sometimes your purpose isn't always actually your job. Okay? Let's, let's just clear that up. If you're blessed enough that it is, awesome. But if it's not, you know, if it's not, then you can, you're there. If you're spirit-led, you're in the right place at the right time, at the right job, ministering to the right people. Okay? Do we believe that? All right. You had Ephesians 2? All right. So, so you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are children of the city of the holy ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. Hallelujah. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. Ooh, let that sink in for a second. And your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. The entire, now this is important part, the entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up, completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. I just want to get a t-shirt that says under construction. Because we are, we're going to go from glory to glory. Our revelations are going to deepen. Our knowledge of God is going to deepen. Our mercy and our grace walk towards one another is going to deepen. And that's what we're supposed to do. I don't, like, it doesn't matter how old you are. That's one thing I, I, especially for people, like, I grew up in church. I went to church, like, even before I was born, I say, because my parents were pastors. And so, and, but to be honest, I had to walk away from the church. And I say the church, not God. I had to walk away from the church in order to figure out how religious I was in my thinking. And that was a tough, that was a tough thing. And, um, there was hurt there and whatever, and thank God that, that that's gone. Thank you, Lord, that that's gone. He heals all wounds. He makes all broken hearts, right? And, um, but I think sometimes we can just get complacent, and I think that's what Jess was talking about and touching on, is we can get complacent in things and tolerate things in our lives. Instead of saying, so when I say worship people are an emotional people, You know, I think about, well, why did I say that? I have to, like, check myself. 
Why did I say that? Why did I post that? Why did I, what's the motivation behind that? Am I being, am I edifying? Am I being praiseworthy to God? Am I giving God glory in what I'm saying and what I'm doing? I'm checking myself. And, um, but just realize that you have to give yourself grace as well. Give yourself grace and give others grace. We're all in this together. We all have one purpose, one mind, glorify God to get people saved and see them into the kingdom of God, seeing them live in prosperous, happy, healthy lives. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.